The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Monday night on WTMJ. Glad you're with us. 855-616-1620. That's the Old National Bank talking text line. That's how you get a hold of the big show. We'd love to hear from you. Matt is producing the big hoot nanny tonight, so if you call in, you'll be talking to him. Be nice to Matt. He deserves it, and that's how you get to me. And if you would like to start off with an answer to our text question of the night, that would be lovely. All right. We know the former president is not attending the debate on Wednesday. Do you think if he had, or if he attends any of the debates, it could change anyone's mind about him? Why or why not? So if Donald Trump does decide to go to any of the debates, is it going to change the way anyone thinks about him? Why or why not? I'll give you my answer. In just a minute, but first we got to make sure everything is cool here. Matt, how'd you? Uh, how you doing? You have a good weekend? Everything all right? Oh yeah, my weekend was fantastic. My odometer oh. is feeling it, but it was a good weekend. Where'd you go? What'd you do? You're driving all over the country. Uh, if you count three out of fifty states, oh, it's all over the country. I'd say yes. Three is good. Three is a lot of states. Yeah. So Dude. as we talked about last week, uh, had high school football in Indiana on Friday night. Oh, that's right. Your first game for game of the week. Yes. It wasn't much of a game of the week. It was uh, 42 to 7 final. <laughs> Crown Point, the big boys, oh. class 6A, defeating Lowell uh, by that score. Oh, man. That, give me that score again 42 to what? 42 to 7. The only score from Lowell came on a 69 yard touchdown run in the third quarter. Oh, they must have thought this was it. That was the turning point, right? They were coming back. Uh, they were coming back down 35 nothing. I don't know, on a running wow. clock. Uh. All right, let me ask you. This. So you're calling a game where it is obviously one team is far outclassed by the other. How do you keep from, how do you keep from just going, why are they, send them home. Go, you know, just give up. I don't want anybody getting hurt. This is not going well. That's why they send in the two unit. It's a lot easier for Crown Point who's in Class 6A. They're a lot bigger school. They had their second unit on midway through the third quarter. Unfortunately okay. for Lowell, they don't have much of a second unit because of their size. So they rode their ones for almost the entirety of the game, and there was an injury at the end. I'm not entirely sure what it was. The player was okay and was able to walk off under his own power, but it was one of their starters who played the entire game and who had a huge impact on the team based on the stat sheet and what I heard from the coaches. So uh, it wasn't good for them. We'll have to see if he's ready to go this week. Oh, man. Well, I hope so. That's, uh, it's got to be rough for these little schools because real life isn't like the movie Hoosiers. Uh, no. These, these, especially in football. If you're a small school playing football up against some big school, it's, it's going to be rough. It's going to be really rough. So uh, do you just you just pretend that they're not getting beaten that much and just call it the same way or like in this point, what, what do you say in this exact case because it was week one i'm obviously not going to call it like it's a one or two score game and giving all the probabilities and chances because if you're up in 35 nothing and the clock is running 
the clock's running for a reason. It, 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 yeah. It's not going to change anytime soon. And so oh, my partner, my color guy, was from Lowell, knew the school really, really well. So I handed the floor to him, and we set up the season, gave a season preview, talked about each individual player, and uh, gave some more context in that regard, uh, just to keep the audience entertained. Because in that type of game, there's not a whole lot that's going to change on the scoreboard. Well, it's not... I'm glad it went well for you, not so much for the uh, the kids from Lowell. But uh, so your first game in the books, did you get any? Pos- did you get feedback, positive and or uh, otherwise? I didn't get any feedback, and it was my oh. first game uh, in a year, and so there was some rust with that. Uh, there was a lot of chaos on the broadcast uh, to start in terms of logistics and everything. So, in my attitude, we move on next week. Um, there but. You go. It was it was good. It's one of those games that you have to have to get out of the way. Who's call, Who's playing this Friday? We have the reigning state champion Valparaiso. Ooh, all right. And they're going to Maryville. Wow, Maryville's a pretty big school, isn't it? Yeah, except it's not Maryville. It's a smaller. The game's in Maryville. I'm well, checking. I'm checking Maryville. to see. I'm checking to see the schedule to be sure I pronounce this right because I have the phonetic up. I don't want to butcher. The okay. school's pronunciation. This is going to be exciting. You got Valparaiso, right? That's yeah, oh, I got Val- Valparaiso's easy. Valparaiso's the, the easiest of the easiest. Andrean. Andrean. It's Ooh, spelled I... like Andreen, so I want to be sure that I had the phonetic Andrean. right. I don't know where that is. That is in Maryville, Indiana. Oh, it's in Maryville. Oh, okay, so the school is in Maryville. They're not playing, okay. Yes. They're not playing on neutral turf. Valpo is coming into Andrean's house for yes. a big showdown. Game big of the showdown. week. All right. Well, this will be exciting. Good for you. Well, that sounds like a great weekend. Um, the text question of the night, do you think Trump's appearance at a debate would change anyone's mind about him? Why or why not? Chris from New Berlin says it's probably best he doesn't. Uh, he would do nothing but call people names and be rude. Well, yeah, but that would, that's, his, that's his style. That's what he did last time. Um, I, don't know if, I don't know if he could do... As much of that. See, we'll get, let's get into this after the break. We'll take a quick break. That's the text question of the night. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. Text question of the night. Do you think Trump's appears at a debate would change anyone's mind about him? Why or why not? Feel free to text. Feel free to jump on the line. Give us a holler. Either way, get involved. It's WTMJ Nights. The night is still young. More of WTMJ Nights coming up next. Oh, yeah. It's definitely baseball season. This is your place to catch every pitch. Here it is. He struck him out swinging. Home run. Going back onto the track. It is gone. Mike Brasso goes deep. And everything in between. I want to find that tape. we got to find that tape. We'd be better off listening to adhesive tape. <laughs> we are the home of the Brewers on WTMJ. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Our text question of the night, do you think Trump's appearance at a debate would change anyone's mind about him? Why or why not? Uh, I have no problem with Donald Trump not attending the debate on Wednesday he is, at this point, he is the front runner, and, uh, you know, there's really no need. As 
he did put out a statement um, on Truth Social the other day saying uh, that the public knows who I am and what a successful, pardon me, presidency I had, all in caps then, I will therefore not be doing the debates. I think it's important for anybody, uh, frontrunner or not, as it gets down to the final two or three candidates in a primary to do the to do the debates. Now, there's probably a lot of talk in the former president's legal phalanx to uh, to stay away from that kind of stuff because I don't know if anybody but Chris Christie will have the um, the wavos to come at the former president based on the indictments and everything else. Uh, there's not a lot of talk coming from Republican leadership about the indictments, and I think it'll be interesting to watch Wednesday night to see who steps up, because probably for very good reason, a lot of these Republican candidates in this primary are very afraid of Donald Trump's supporters. So it would make sense. But if you want to set yourself apart, because there are a lot of people in the Republican Party who are not Donald Trump supporters, so if you want to attract them, you have to set yourself apart. You can't, uh, nobody wants a president who's just going to be mamby-pamby and not take things on and not, you know, uh, not confront the elephant in the room, which is, hey, the front runner of this party is now indicted four times. He's not been convicted of anything yet, but he's indicted four times. And that's new for, uh, you know, presidential races. So this is why you should consider me. But there haven't been too many people doing that. So we'll see. I don't know. if uh, I don't think... Uh, I, d I also don't think a debate really changes anybody's mind about any candidate. Now you may you may give somebody a point. Oh, that okay, that made sense. I like what they said about that, but I still don't agree with them on the majority of their platform. Uh, I don't like their stance on this. I don't like their politics. I don't like them because let's be honest, a lot of voting for president is a popularity contest. Uh, it's always been that way. Yes, you should uh, really worry about what they stand for and what they are telling you they're going to do once in office. But it always comes back to that dumb thing, would I have a beer with them? And whether we like it or not, a lot of people still vote that way. You know, if it comes down to a toss-up where, well, their politics are pretty close or I like, you know, there's that, there's still that I like them better. And so we know that going in. I doubt it, if you watch Wednesday, the debate Wednesday or listen to the debate Wednesday or you tune into a WTMJ after the debate because uh, John Mercure along with Dr. Ken Harris from 101.7 The Truth uh, are going to be doing a big post-debate wrap-up show. And we're actually going to be on throughout the debate and an extra hour to take us into that post-debate show. My point is, you know who you like before they even take the stage, right? If you're a Donald Trump supporter, nothing Chris Christie or uh, Nikki Haley or anybody else on that stage says 
is going to make you change your mind. And the same thing if you're if you support Chris Christie, Ron DeSantis, anybody else. You, they're your they're your candidate right now. Now, as things go on and more and more candidates fall out as the primary goes on, because once you know once the once the primaries start, all these people who are hanging around with one percent or you know three percent, they're going to start dropping out. Then maybe if you liked one of those candidates, then you're going to be forced to move to another candidate. But for Wednesday, we all know. And if I'm if I'm the front runner by that far, and I'm having as many legal troubles as the former president is having, I'm going to sit this one out too. So I'm not one of these. I you know I know there's people who oh he's a coward blah 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 blah. Not this time. If he goes the entire cycle and doesn't debate anybody, that's going to be a different story. But for right now, I'm good. All right. If you are a working parent, what I'm going to talk about next is not going to be a surprise to you. If you do not pay for child care, this could really surprise you. And we got to try to figure out some kind of answer for this. What am I talking about? Well, child care, obviously. But more, more specifics after this on WTFJ Night. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. If I told you that for an average daycare center year of caring for your, your baby at a daycare center, cost about as much as sending your child to UW-Madison. Would you think I was exaggerating? I am not. This was shocking. Um, while Wisconsin is not the highest state for the cost of child care, it is, uh, it's pretty high. Um, this spring, Child Care Awareness of America released 2022 data deca- detailing the supply and cost of child care in all 50 states. In Wisconsin, the average annual price of center-based care for infants, so that's, you know, taking them to kinder care or daycare center, whatever. Um, and infants are the most expensive as far as child care. $13,572. That equates to 12% of the median income of a married couple, 40% of the median income of a single-parent family. If you are in this position and you are paying that kind of money for child care, I'd love to hear from you on the old National Bank talk and text line at 855-616-1620. Where are you, where are you making sacrifices? Uh, what, what does this cost? What position does that put you in? Because I'm guessing if it's that high a percentage, it's, it does put a strain on you. And is has there been a point where you've thought, well, is it worth it? Can I just can I stay home if you, if you have somebody else bringing in a salary? Um, is it worth it to stay home? Do you have to take uh, you know a job at a different shift so one person is always at home and you can stagger that so you don't have to get childcare? Did you have to go to family uh, to get childcare? What are you doing? to try to save a little money on this. 
So according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, for child care to be considered quote-unquote affordable, child care for all children in a household should be no more than 7% of the household's income. There is not one state in this country that meets that criteria. So everybody is paying an outrageous amount for child care, which, you know, I get, we you need it. We, when my daughter was very young and we had moved to California, we had, we had to get child care. And it was, it was a lot. And this was 23 years ago when we moved to California. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was tough. So I can, and now it's just gone up and up. So as your kid gets older, and if you've had children in childcare, you know this, as the kids get older, the cost goes down. But even with those lower rates for older children, um, like I said, childcare in Wisconsin can still cost more than in-state tuition for UW-Madison. Uh, childcare for multiple children can take can be more than the cost of your rent or mortgage for the year. So more than your housing. You're paying more to put your kids in daycare than you are for your home. Something seems out of whack for me for me there. And I'm not saying there should be free childcare. There's not that. I'm just trying to figure out, all right, how can we make this a little more affordable? Now, Wisconsin, um, Wisconsin providers have tried all different kinds of things to try to keep costs from being astronomical, but they're charging less than what it costs to run. Well, anybody with any, gra even the smallest grasp of business, you're going to go, well, that, that doesn't make sense. You can't keep operating when your, uh, your expenses far outweigh your income. You just, you just can't do that. So you're paying the child care workers low wages because that's all you can afford as a center because you're trying to help people uh you know keep it keep your doors open one make it affordable for people too there's a lot to get to we'll cover more of it but right now we got to hit the news because it is 6:30 and we go to the WTMJ 24 hour breaking news center Wyatt Barmore Pooley ready to go Brian Nooner, WTMJ Knights, the old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620. That's how you get involved. We're talking about child care in Wisconsin and the astronomical cost. It's about for if you have an infant in child care, and this is at a center-based place, so wherever, uh, $13,572 last year. That's 12% of the median income of a married couple, 40%. If you are a single parent household, uh, they say for child care to be affordable, it should be no more than 7%. And uh, there's no state in the union that has that. And I'm wondering if you're a parent that has your kids in child care and you, you know, where, where are you making cuts if you have to? And how did you work that in? Was there, was there a, uh, Talk about maybe one person staying home, and that's what Peter did. He texts in, my wife and I raised five kids in the 90s, and even back then it made the most financial sense for her to su suspend her career until they all were in middle school. Plus, we save lots on not having her commute and buying fuel, having higher vehicle insurance, and wearing out a second vehicle prematurely. Now, that makes sense, and, you know, thankfully, that that was a situation that you could do, 
if you're a single parent, you can't just say, well, I'm not going to work. I'm going to stay home. And, um, you know, if you've got another income and you can financially swing it, thank God you're, you're able to make those arrangements. And, uh, I'm glad it worked out. I know, like, when I was growing up, I have four brothers. I've told you that before. Uh, my mom was a teacher. And back then, their, their maternity leaves were longer. So it was by the time, it was like almost by the time the maternity leave was up, then it was, oh, hey, guess what? We're going to have another baby. So my brother's, my brother's arrivals kept my mom home so there didn't have to be any, uh, any child care, uh, when they were real little, which was great. Plus, you know, um, there were some times during the summer that, uh, one of my aunts and my cousins, they lived about three blocks from us. So if my mom and dad were both doing summer school, we would go over there during the day and hang out with our cousins and do do stuff like that. Um, but you know, it's it's really tough. So Wisconsin is trying. Wisconsin uh, hit the child care supply from 2019 to 22 uh, was just studied and released by Child Care Aware of America. Um, according to the data. The number of licensed child care centers in Wisconsin decreased from 20, uh, 2021 rather to 2022. Nationally, the number increased during that time and even surpassed pre-pandemic figures. Wisconsin data shows a small decrease in child care centers, um, which is a normal fluctuation, they say. Um, and family care programs, family care went down. They decreased. So where are we going to get the money? How are we going to help people out? Well, a lot of the states... Um, dedicated pandemic relief funding. So we used some of that. Then we got some federal and state child care money. We used uh, that to try to rectify, rectify the child care crisis. But I don't know. In Wisconsin, Child Care Counts, which is a stabilization payment program that's funded through pandemic relief dollars, is credited with keeping thousands of child care businesses open. Some providers use the funds to ward off steep tuition hikes. Program was not, though, included in the 2023-24 state uh, budget, and is now set to end in 2024. So, that is uh, that's going to not bode well for not only the people who have childcare facilities, but the people who are trying to afford childcare facilities. And it is, you know, it's just, and you know, we think about that. People think about that when they're having kids, and you take that into account. But um, then the cost keeps rising and rising, and you're like, well, you know, I want to have a family. That's not uh, that's not selfish or misguided. I want to have a family. I got. We work. We work to maintain the lifestyle that we've chosen. Now we got to find a way to take care of our kids, and man, it is it is a tough. All right. On the other side of the break, oh my gosh, we know that some uh, some men in Spain still hold on to that machismo that is looked down upon, especially if you are forcefully kissing an athlete. What? Oh, there's outrage. We'll talk about it after this. WTMJ now. This is WTMJ nights. It's WTMJ Nights. I'm Brian Noonan. Yes, WTMJ Nights. I know what show I'm on. Don't uh, don't, don't fall for the uh, 
you know, all the chitter-chatter. I know where I'm at. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. Uh, one more text about child care. We had two kids in child care in the late 90s. We both had full-time jobs. It was a crushing burden. We eventually filed for bankruptcy. Oh, man. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, that is that is the, the rough reality of the cost of child care and everything else. Um, hopefully the... Spanish Soccer Federation president will be paying the cost for something. Luis or Luis Rubiales is his name, and man, did he step in it. You know, Spain uh, won the Women's World Cup the other day, yesterday, and uh, big, big medal celebration on the field. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's excited. Spain is be- beside themselves as they should be. Congratulations to the Spanish women who for winning the World Cup. And then uh, Jenny Hermoso is a veteran midfielder for the Spanish national team. And during the medal celebration, uh, Luis Rubiales came out and planted a kiss on her full mouth. Full, you know, pull somebody in close, big smoocheroo, and um, yeah, it was not uh, appreciated, not only by Jenny Hermosa, Hermosoa, but uh, by everybody else, basically on the not only on the Spanish women's national team, but by Spanish media and uh, people all around the world who saw this kiss because. Uh, Hermoso was asked about the kiss in the locker room. Um, people were laughing and smiling about it. She said, hey, I didn't like that. All right. They're right there, you know. But now, uh, because Luis Rubiales is, I can only imagine, nothing but a class act. He was not done with the big smooch on the field. He went into the locker room. Uh, he put his arm around Hermoso, promised players a trip to Ibiza, told the entire room that he was going to marry Hermoso. Now, they're not uh, they are not together. There's no evidence that they have any relationship. He has also been the target of a lot of controversies. There were concerns over the Spanish team with the, the head coach, the federation, uh, players had alleged that the staff uh, was dictatorial, they were unprofessional, the environment had harmed both the team's performance, their emotional and personal state, they felt unsupported, and in September, 15 of the team sent emails to the Federation that they declined national team invites until the situation was reversed. Now, Rubiales responded with a strongly worded statement that publicized those emails, vilified the players, and turned the last year into uh, a very divisive environment. So uh, for him to come out and do this to a player who had been vocal about how badly the team had been treated, that's one thing. But it's 2023, and I don't care what kind of Stone Age blockhead you are, uh, you can't just go up and grab a woman and kiss her. You can't. You know, um, just like you wouldn't want somebody grabbing you and doing something intimate that you, you know, somebody who you know through business, you know? What? For, all right, let's say, uh, let's say your company does real well. You have the best quarterly sales ever and people are very excited 
and then your boss walks up to you and just grabs your behind and gives it a little squeeze and goes, ah, oh, way to go, Tiger. You're not going to like that. It's unprofessional. And it's, you know, in some places it's illegal. So everybody, everybody is condemning this. Spanish journalists are pointing out that the Federation's policy on sexual violence stipulates that, quote, forced kisses, end quotes, are considered unacceptable conduct with immediate consequences. If that is the case, we'll see if this guy is removed, but I don't think so. Then somebody posted, uh, somebody went on social media and said that, oh, this was, uh, you know, um, they, they claimed that this statement was from Hermoso, saying that it was totally spontaneous, a mutual gesture, blah, blah, blah. The president and I have a great relationship. However, uh, she didn't post that statement. There were her only post since the, the match, she posted a video in the airport trying to get through security with her gold medal. That's it. So, is it, you know, we've heard the, the stereotype of the Latin lover and, uh, you know, the Spanish machismo, the bullfighters and all this, and... That's kind of what the journalists in Spain are using to trash this guy, going, hey, this is an outmoded way of thinking. And it would it, you can't do that anymore. Now, Matt, I know you were, you're a sports guy. I don't know how close you follow FIFA, which, no surprise, FIFA hasn't really weighed in on this. They're not going to. No, they're, of course they're not going to. Of course <laughs> they're not going to. But this is... I, I saw that, and the picture just looked like she was being... Well, held hostage, I don't think is too hyperbolic. He had both his arms wrapped around her and was squeezing her in, and her arms were just at her side like, oh, boy. What else is she supposed to do in that moment? Nothing. Like, I, hate to, I hate to say it, but that is the ultimate... You look at a power structure right there. You have the head of the Federation with every single country. I shouldn't say every single country, but almost every single country in the world showing that moment. Sure. Oh, on yeah, live television. Saw. And, I mean, just imagine if the flip happened. And oh, I, that would have been something else. Well, and then, then for it to go on. All right. Let's say, for sake of argument, he's caught up in the moment. All right. It's still uh, wrong. No, it's still wrong. No, shouldn't do it. But then... It's not he was caught up in the moment because then he goes back in the locker room and starts doing more goofy stuff. So this is how this is ingrained in this guy's mind. This is how I can I can treat women this way. I can treat my athletes this way. They are uh, they are definitely under my thumb. Look at this. They all came back to play even though they told us they weren't gonna unless we fix things and we didn't really fix anything. But you know we're here. And yes, I'm going to mock the teammates that didn't come back because a couple of the women didn't come back to play he was he was mocking them after the win so you know this guy this guy sounds like a piece of garbage yeah I don't know. yeah he, he is there's not really another way to put it i'm trying to think if because i've seen like a it. if a wnba team that has a male coach or a uh female soccer team we'll take with a male take coach, the united states that, the United States, yes, when they, they won World here. Cups, they didn't have a male head coach. They had Jill Ellis during both of their World Cup runs in 15 and 19. But 
you look at a general celebration. Take the Chicago Sky when they won the WNBA title a few years back. There wasn't anything about this, and James Wade was their head coach and GM. Yeah, because he knows you. He knows you don't just grab it, exactly. A woman like, like he's not going to do it. An athlete or not. And also, I've seen my fair share of sports celebrations. This is the first one that has made the news in this way, but. You don't see, if you're going to use the romance or anything, you don't see Jim Valvano running around in 1983 doing this. And he's no, the most Jimmy iconic Buston celebration in the world. Phil Collins, or Phil, uh, not Phil Collins. Who was it? No, wow, I'm blanking. Um, who, was the Bull, who was the Bulls coach? Oh, Phil Jackson? Not, not Doug Collins, Phil Jackson. Well, Doug Collins had, was the coach. Phil, it, no, yeah, Doug Collins was the coach of the Collins celebration. Confused. Yeah, but Jeannie Buss didn't, didn't mount Phil Jackson. Uh, after they won, you know, right at midcourt, and they were going out. It would have been at least that would have made sense, you know. But if she had come out and you know straddled uh, one of the players, that's not uh, no, that's not how it works. If Marge shot back in the day had <laughs> <laughs> lip locked Pete Rose, that wouldn't have been nice. You can't do that. If the Bears win a title this year, oh, oh man, oh stop! You think Virginia is going to just uh, <laughs> lip lock somebody? I don't see that. Why anymore. are we being vile on a Monday? <laughs> <laughs> it's you know what? It's Spain's fault. We will blame España. Uh, all right, let's do this, and then there's more. It's WTMJ nights. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, it's it's got a Latin flair uh, to go with our story of the the Spanish. Uh, Soccer, super uh, boss, who, uh, I don't know. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. From the 414, we were theorizing if female owners had done the same thing to uh, male players. Uh, if Mar Shot would have got on Pete Rose, she would have crippled him or killed him. That from the 414, very nice. Uh, i got to tell you this, I mentioned it a little before, but the first Republican presidential primary debate is in Milwaukee on Wednesday. Really? Surprise? Had you not heard of it? No, of course you know it's here. The best place you can get immediate analysis and reaction is on our Decision Wisconsin post-debate show. After the debate, come to uh, WTMJ. Well, you should be here, because I'll be on until the post-debate show starts, so just hang around. After the debate, uh, listen here, because... The Wisconsin Afternoon News host, John McCure, along with Dr. Ken Harris from 1017 The Truth, uh, they are going to have highlights, lowlights, all of the moments that need to be covered. They'll be covered right here on WTMJ. It's Decision Wisconsin, the WTMJ post-debate show, immediately following the first Republican presidential primary debate on Wednesday, August 23rd. All right, on the other side of the news, school is about to start. Please. Don't be this type of parent. What type? I will warn you off certain behaviors after the news, which comes your way after this on WTMJ. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. That's how you get a hold of the program. That's how you get involved. And we would love to have you. If you are a teacher, I know, I know you're getting ready for school. You got a lot going on. But I would love it if you would share 
the most bizarre request that you have received from parents. And if you are a parent, please don't be the parent who makes one of these requests. Maybe you have, and maybe you want to share that, and that would be, we would welcome it. It's a no shame zone if you want to fess up to the fact that. Well, one time I did. I asked my uh, child's teacher to do this. Um, you know, all will be forgiven. We will grant you bad teacher request amnesty. That's what we do. We are we are kind hearted, aren't we, Matt? That's what that would be the first adjectives you use to describe us. Weren't you kind hearted? Yep. <laughs> yeah, it'd probably be the first one on the fourth page. That's where it would um, it would fall if you were writing up adjectives about us. But the real I I was reading something today and I was laughing. Now we've had I've had some requests come in, but nothing, you know, nothing crazy, you know. Um there was one kid who uh her parents thought she was gifted. And in first grade, which I don't know how you determine if a child is gifted in first grade. Uh, she could read and tie her shoes and go to the bathroom, and that was fine. But uh, not much more than any other kid. She was pretty good in math, but again, no more than some of the other kids in class. But the parents uh, were very, you could tell they were those helicopter parents. They were. I felt bad for the kid. They were pushing this kid uh, nonstop. And she felt like she was the belle of the ball. She didn't really have too many friends, and I, I, I don't mean to laugh, but the parents, uh, and she didn't want to go to school because, you know, we weren't buying into this. We treated her just like everybody else, and that didn't fly well with her parents. So she would, she didn't want to come to school. She was blah, blah, blah. And there, were, there were a lot of... Uh, would you please make her feel special? And would you? And we're like, we make we make all twenty two of these kids feel special. That's you know they're first graders. They're, they're, that's what we do. That's part of the gig is making these kids feel special. But to single it out and would you, uh, you know, allow her allow her to use this and do this? And we're like, well, that's not the assignment. If you know, if we tell the other kids they can't bring their glitter markers in. She can't bring her glitter markers in and journal just whenever she wants. You know, she's got to do what we want to do. Now, that that's minor compared to some of the behaviors that I was looking at today. And if you've if you've been in education for any amount of time, especially if you're maybe you're getting near your final few years, you must have stories that would make all of our jaws drop in disbelief. So if you'd love like to share one, we'd love to hear it. 855-616-1620. So there is a, a Maryland educator, and online she's known as Teacher Misery. She created, um, she creates all kinds of, I see her on Instagram, she's all over the place. But um, she did a, a video featuring a fifth grade teacher as he reacted to some actual requests from parents um, that you can't imagine if you're a teacher, or, or imagine that you're, all right, Matt, Say my wife sent you a letter tonight before the show uh, and was worried about me and said, uh, Brian swallowed a watch battery at home. Please use this fork and clothespin to, to inspect his poop until we find the battery. That was a legit request to a teacher, a fifth grade teacher. <laughs> Imagine in any other line of work. 
Matt, would you would you in fact help me find a battery? <laughs> what or line? Would you be so, or would you be so? First, the question would be. Why and how did he swallow a watch bag? I could be a rectal surgeon, and I still probably wouldn't accept that request. <laughs> My proctologist turned me down for that request. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. So that's like that's the uh, that's kind of the far, far, far thing. But um, there have been teachers that have been asked to clean their child's getting notes, clean a child's nose on picture day. Track a student's menstrual cycle and mood changes. Uh, squeeze a student's head during test taking to relieve anxiety. Oh my! How about I come to your house and I squeeze your head until <laughs> you realize that th- I'm a teacher. I'm I'm not a therapist. I also am not your kid's one-on-one teacher. You know, I under listen. That may work, and in a, a self-contained room or uh, a special ed kind of room, I've seen those. I, I've seen. There's there's different ways to handle different students, but in a jet ed classroom, I'm not squeezing a kid's head. If they're anxious, I'll go take your time, take a deep breath. You'll be fine. That's as far. First of in all, in what universe does squeezing a head make someone less anxious? I don't know. I know I know children with different needs, different sensory things help them, but I'm not putting my hands on any kid. First of all, you know, in this day and age, forget it. Uh, you know, you see. You see a big report, first grade teacher uh, indicted on squeezing a child's head. I'm not squeezing a kid's head. First of all, their heads are very small. My hands are very big. I'm not going to mush their melon uh, trying to make sure they don't, uh, they don't have anxiety. Because I think that would be more anxiety-inducing if I was squeezing your head. You know, Think about it, Matt. Are you less anxious when I'm not squeezing your head or when I'm squeezing your head? Well, it depends. You squeeze hard enough, I might be asleep, so then I'll be less anxious. That's true. I, I put you in the DDT. You drop. Boom. Um, so <laughs> there are uh, some of these got really bad. They're um, parents who really think the teachers are stupid. One parent requested that their son be given credit for an essay in spite not turning one in because, would you care to guess the reason, Matt? Their dog ate it. AI. No, both of those are good. Both of those are good answers, and the AI will come more. No, he wrote it in his head. If so I he get... if if I was able to get credit for everything I wrote in my head, I would be the valedictorian of Harvard on my 80th doctorate. Yep. Like oh, I'm a genius in my yeah, head. Yeah, I was about to say everything's an A in my head. You should you should hear and read some of the stuff that goes out in my head. It doesn't come out my mouth or out of my pen, but man, is it good! It is really good. Uh, let me give you one more. Then I want to hear from you, teachers or parents. Parents, if you are guilty of this, just uh, don't don't include your name. That's all right. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. This is from a middle school teacher in California. One time, I had a parent email me and ask if their student could take an upcoming math test on a different day because they had a golf tee time scheduled during the test. The student wasn't on the golf team, nor were they a junior professional. They just wanted an afternoon of golf. That's when you say, "I'm sorry." Uh, young Brendan will have to either miss the test or miss his golf game because this is test day. All right, we'll get to some more of these unbelievable 
parent requests to teachers as we usher in another school year. And for you people who go, that must be pretty easy, huh? <laughs> Think again. It's WTMJ Nights. Oh, teachers, it's more than just reading, writing, and arithmetic. Sometimes you get some really bizarre requests from parents. Uh, if you're one of those teachers who's had that, let us know. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. There are a lot now. I, I talked about one before where the fifth grade teacher was asked to use a fork and some tweezers to inspect uh, for a watch battery that may have gone through a digestive tract. There's a lot of those kind of requests where parents will say, oh, they're, you know, they're having some trouble. Uh, please tell us how many times they go to the bathroom, tell us what they ate. And the teacher's like, well, why don't you just send lunch and then tell them to bring home what they don't eat? So then you know what they you know, you know what they ate for lunch, and ask them how many times they went to. You're their parent. You can ask them how many times they go to the bathroom. The only time we'll bring up, the only time I've had to bring up uh, bathroom habits to a parent is when a kid all of a sudden, out of the blue, starts going to the bathroom a million times a day, and ninety percent of the time it's work avoidance. You know, they don't want to. They hate math. So the minute math starts, I got to go to the bathroom. And then they dawdle, and then math's almost over when they come back because they're, you know, they're, they're confused. They're not, they're not quite understanding what's going on in math, so it's easier to try to escape. But, uh, you know, most teachers, most teachers understand that and uh, nip, that, nip that in the bud like Barney Fife. I once had a parent, this is from a teacher in Connecticut, I once had a parent complain to admin that they like last year's teacher much better. I looped them in from first to second. We, uh, I could say this because I know the, uh, the parents aren't listening. Uh, there, we had a kid this year in first grade who is the last of a long line. There are five brothers, so I can, uh, I can relate to the five brothers. All of these brothers have some sort of issue. And the last one uh, who we had this year was around the bend, this kid. He was, he was like the human, first he was the human equivalent of pig pen. Like he would walk into school clean and within three minutes, I'm not, be completely filthy. And we watch, I don't know how he just attracted dirt and grime to himself and he loved to whine and he you know it just he was and he needed he needed some you know uh enhancements for reading and stuff which is all fine but um his mom is one of those moms who's very demanding at school she she couches it and she wants to be involved but she's very she's uh you know she she also wants her own way and so there's a second grade teacher who's wonderful, and she had his brother this year. His brother, uh, same as him. Just, they're two peas in a pod, they're a handful. And the mom was demanding that our student be put in that second grade teacher's room, and she was like, oh no. So um, when we were making up our class list for next year, we made sure that he was in the other second grade classroom. And to be to be fair, all the second grade teachers are phenomenal, so it doesn't matter. We just did it to spite the mom, not the kid. The kids, the kids, going to be fine 
It was, uh, it's the mom. Uh, another teacher said, my a mom complained to my principal because she didn't like my fun Friday bubblegum font. I had to change it. Um, I had a father request a meeting with me and the principal. The father wanted his son moved to a seat by another pencil sharpener. I had two very expensive electric pencil sharpeners in two different places in my room that I bought with my own money. The son claimed the sharpener closer to the seat ate up his pencils. Truth was, he wanted to move closer to his buddy, who was right next to the other sharpener. I uh, I was told to move the student where he wanted. I can't imagine something like that. To be told by your this is what this is why teachers bail. Because if a if a principal says move the kid for that reason, no thanks. Sorry. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to uh, we're going to talk to Wyatt Barmore Pooley because Wyatt is uh, Wyatt's going to be part of the coverage of the big debate, and uh, I have some I have some questions about prepping for the debate and what's going on over there. So we'll talk to Wyatt after this on WTMJ Night. Brian Noonan, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. If you don't know by now that the Republican primary debate, the first one, is on Wednesday. Pay attention. It is happening Wednesday at Fiserv Forum, and our own Wyatt Barmore-Pooley is going to be in the building during the debate, and I asked him if he'd come in and uh, and talk for a couple minutes, and he's gracious enough to come in before the news. Wyatt, uh, this is exciting. Have you ever covered or been part of a big event like this, a big news event? Well, so I've uh, I've got a couple election nights under my belt at this point at WTMJ, but this is my first debate. I also covered when uh, Joe Biden was in town last year, so that's as uh, that's as close physically as I've ever been to somebody who is or will be president of the United States. We'll see if that changes on Wednesday. Yeah. Now, all right, you're going to be in the spin room. Is that is that what I've been told? Yes. Now, what is that? Because I'll know, be honest, Brian, those... I have no idea. I'm really excited oh. to find out. <laughs> it's either is it because they they say the news spins everything are they actually going to spin us around there's so many exciting possibilities i would hope you have sit and spins and they get you really dizzy and then you have to file a report it's just constant teacup rides <laughs> that would be that would be wild i think it's every candidate has their their uh spin doctors in there and they'll go well you'll hear one of the candidates say x and they'll try to convince you that that candidate said y yeah, but I will I will be at Fiserv Forum in the in the building for the debate. So uh, I'm hoping to uh, make some appearances after on the post show uh, that we're doing after the debate to make sure that I I'm bringing the what it was like in the building. I'm definitely going to get uh, a good night's sleep beforehand. It's going to be a late night. I have a feeling you're right. It is going to be a late night, and uh, if you finish early enough, you know we'll be there. So uh, swing on by or give us a call. But uh, it's. Nobody, nobody on that stage is under Secret Service protection. Did you have to get any sort of special clearance, other than the fact that you're, you know, a, a journalist who's already covered a lot of things? You're a professional. Is, was there any uh, another level of security to get into this? No. So here's a little, little bit of inside baseball for what it uh, what it takes to do coverage of this kind of stuff for our listeners. There's no licensing to be a journalist. Like there's no national body that confirms that I'm a journalist. I'm just part of an organization that has that is well known enough. So we applied for credentials and I have to go pick that up tomorrow. It's 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 very much regulated in a way that's different from like your normal city council meeting where you can go pretty much as a as a member of the media or as a member of the public. That's not the case for this event, but I did not have to go through any 
further clearing, uh, nor even bef- even when there was a possibility that former President Trump would be in town for the debate. That did not seem to be what was going on. I think that's okay. because the spin room will be removed from the candidates. So right. it's not there's no sight lines. Yeah, you're not going to you're not actually gonna, you're going to be watching them on monitors like like everybody at home and everywhere else. Uh, what do you as you're going in now? I know you said you're you're not really sure what's going to happen in the spin room, and uh, you know, hopefully, like I said, we're you're all going to be very dizzy. What do you what do you prep for? Or since this is not an interview that you're doing, you is there anything you can prep for other than knowing who's going to be on the debate stage and that there's going to actually be a debate? Because you're just your job, I'm imagining, is just to let us know what's happening not only on that stage, but what's happening in that room. Yeah, so I think what I'm going to be doing is making sure I'm more familiar with each candidate and their particular positions, the nuances of what makes them different than the other Republican candidates, uh, especially now that former President Trump is not going to be there and more focus will be on the candidates who are not him. So uh, I will definitely be taking a look at that. And then it's just sort of almost seeing what I think will happen versus what does end up happening. We've heard uh, in many appearances from uh, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie that he has been very critical of former President Trump. Will that continue Uh, if it does? And if it doesn't, that's both stories. These are all I'm sort of going to have to compile a scouting report, almost as if I'm I'm with the Brewers prepping for a series and want to get into all the different starting pitchers. I got to I got to figure out what the what the tells are of each candidate. All right. Well, it's very exciting that you're going to be there. We will be listening, obviously, uh, every night you're out, but uh, Wednesday night as well to try to figure it out. And uh, don't forget your old friends at WTMJ Nights. If there's a big scoop, we're going to be uh, we're going to be live and ready to go. If something happens, Chris Christie is starting to eat a giant sub during the uh, you know during the debate. He gets a little fan. Shoot us a call. Go. He's got a uh, you know he's got a big ham and cheese. And, you know, we'll break that kind of story. I will be there for the play-by-play if the sub is broken out. Thank you. All right, well, right now it is 7.30, and when he's not going to hobnob with candidates, he's in the WTMJ. Do you have an irrational fear? I um, There's certain things that, that freak me out. This would have been one of them. Also, we've all stayed in hotels. Hopefully, when you stay in a hotel, everything goes smoothly. But we have all had really bad hotel experiences where something just isn't right. Um, this happened in Germantown just over the weekend. Yes, at the Country Inn and Suites. Uh, in Germantown, maybe you saw this story. This would have, this would have driven me over the edge. So a woman and her son were there at the, uh, Country Inn and Suites in Germantown. She uh, she and a number of other guests reported multiple snakes slithering in the hot tub, the pool area, the hallway, and other parts of the hotel. According to the health department's report on the incident, uh, the snakes, snakes ranged in size from up to a few feet long, then less than a foot, and they're believed to be northern water snakes. Which comes, which were coming in from the wetlands behind the hotel. So at about 8.30 Saturday night, this woman and her son had gotten back to the hotel. They were going to go down to the pool, unwind a little bit. Why not? That's what, when you have a kid and you stay at a hotel, the kids want to go to the pool. Well, 
They were walking to the pool. A couple women stopped them and said, hey, um, there's some snakes in the pool. And she was like, I don't believe it. We got to see this. And they went in, and there was a snake in the hot tub. And we have audio from the pool area Saturday night. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Asps. Very dangerous. You go first. He, misi- he misidentified. They weren't asps. They were uh, northern water snakes. But uh, snakes in the hot tub. So they leave the pool, and then there's a snake in the hallway. Uh, she watched it slide, slither. What do snakes do? Crawl, roll, uh, slithered under a door into a guest room. So she knocks on the door of this stranger's room and says, Hey, guess what? A snake just went in your room. And the guy in the room is like, Ah, so he tried to catch the snake with a plunger. At this point, the hotel's two people from the hotel staff are coming. They go into the pool and they they grab the snakes. And they just walk them to the back door of the pool room and, like, toss them out the door. Um, according to the people at the hotel, this is an ongoing issue. Now, the manager uh, saying, no, this didn't, uh, this didn't happen. It was, you know, people were just uh, making stuff up. They were exaggerating. Even though there's pictures. This woman took pictures of the snake in the hallway and the snake in the pool and the snake going under the door. She took pictures of all of it. Uh, the manager then finally did admit that there was a snake problem in the pool area and pump room, but denied that the snakes had entered the guest rooms in the hallways, again, um, even though there were pictures. An inspector came. Of course, no snakes during the inspection. Of course the snakes aren't going to be there during the inspection. Uh, you might think, well, I hope she got her money back. Nope. Nope. Uh, she didn't stay at the hotel. I wouldn't have stayed at the hotel that night either. She wanted her money back. They gave her 50%. Uh, back. She's still trying to get the rest of her money off, uh, back. But uh, I, here's my irrational fear. I hate snakes. I am just, I don't know why, I'm terrified of them. They, I know most of them can't hurt me, and I'm not around them enough, but I, ooh, snakes and mice. Now, I've had to catch many mice over my lifetime. Uh, you know, mice get in the house, mice get in the garage. Uh, one, one year I had put my patio umbrella up on a shelf in the garage. And when I uh, did know that that was the year I didn't put it up on the shelf, I had left it down like on the floor or just above the floor. And it wasn't in a bag or anything. It was just folded up. And the next spring I opened it and a bunch of mice dropped out. Uh, that scared me to no end. I know I shrieked, I, I know I swore, and I ran around the garage like a lunatic while the mice scattered. But like those kind of things freak me out. And that's my irrational fear, because I know that a mouse can't hurt me. You know, I'm not gonna get I, I'm not gonna be around enough mice to get any kind of disease. I'm not gonna get bitten by a mouse, probably. Um rats, the same kind of thing. I know they're gross, but that doesn't uh that's not it. But if I went into if I went into a, a hotel pool and there were snakes, I would never be able to go into a hotel pool again. It would be like when Jaws first came out and people wouldn't go back in the ocean because they were freaked out. It would be exactly that way if there were these snakes.
So do you have a do you have an irrational fear, or have you ever run into anything like this at a hotel where you were just like, I have got to go, because maybe it wasn't snakes. I hope not. Maybe it was that it was just disgusting or something else happened and you were like, I've got to go. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Uh, I'll sh- we'll all share a little bit more after this. WTM. This is WTMJ Nights. Yeah, I'd be staring at the hotel floor making sure there's no snakes or whatnot. That happened in Germantown. What is your uh, hotel horror story or your rational fear? Mine is snakes and mice and rats. I, I just, I can't with those. Bugs, I'm good, you know. But I don't know why. The smaller the, the, smaller the creature, the more afraid of them I am. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. Bill has been hanging on. He's in Racine. Hi, Bill. Hi. Thanks for holding for my call. Sure. It was the 1980s, I guess, right after one of the hurricanes hit uh, New Orleans, and uh, they had the NCAA playoffs. Like a few weeks later, what okay. a mess! We got into this hotel, and the swimming pool was full of brown stuff oh. and critters, like you wouldn't believe. The ho- oh. the hotel itself wasn't much better, and the Superdome was a total mess. Oh, it was well, that, that yeah, was a nightmare. And that- that's got to be horrible because you're coming in. Uh, you're coming in after a natural disaster, so you kind you kind of give them a little leeway. But I'm surprised they even had it open if it was in that bad a shape. Well, dollars a dollar, I guess. That's it. You got anyway. Gotta... I don't remember what happened with Georgetown and who was that famous basketball player that graduated from there. Patrick Ewing. There it is. <laughs> there, there it is. Thank you for All your right. time, Bill. Talk thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, from the 262, I always look under the bed when I check into a hotel just to make sure there isn't a dead body there. Just saying. All right. Listen, I don't, I, I don't want to look under the beds. My, here's my theory for hotel cleanliness. If where I'm at seems clean, like I've had to move a, a, a nightstand once in a while to try to plug something in, that's a horror show. Don't ever do that. Don't, uh, it's like the line from Apocalypse Now, don't get off the boat, don't move the nightstand, because, you know, housekeeping comes in and they, hopefully, they've done a pretty good job keeping everything else clean, but they're not moving furniture. So do yourself a favor and uh, and don't, and I would, even if I think I've lost something, I don't know if I'd look under a bed. And most of them, most of the beds now have that platform, so stuff can't go all the way under. It can only go in a couple inches, which, which is fine. Um, Matt, do you have an irrational fear? Not that I can think of. I have a couple hotel stories, though. Yes, give me a hotel story. So, I worked in the Northwoods League for two years and traveled all across the Great Lakes region. And we go to Traverse City, Michigan, which is a very nice area. I've been there many times. Right on the lake. It's beautiful. Beautiful. The hotel they put us in is five minutes away from the ballpark. And we show up, and it's this motel, and it's summer ball. We're not expecting the Ritz. We're not expecting anything <laughs> immaculate. But we at least expect something. Sure. And so we get there, and keep in mind, this is about 32 college-age people plus coaches. We walk into the lobby. 
No one's there. They have this bell. Ring bell for service. We ring the bell. <laughs> no one shows up. So we're just waiting and waiting, and we got to get to the field. We got to hit. Yeah. So we just keep on waiting and waiting and waiting, and then our manager goes behind the desks just to be sure that everything was all right. Because they're expecting us too. Because we're a massive group. The way it works is the home team reserves the rooms for the away team, so they knew all about this. Oh, and, that sounds like a bad idea, anyway. Yeah, I'm seeing the home team not <laughs> not really caring about the comfort of the visitors. Well, this team won back to back championships. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so we're waiting and waiting, and then this head pops out like that, like at the snap of a finger from the back, and says. I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry, we have two rooms ready, but I have all these people working, they're trying to get the rooms ready. And we're thinking, okay, you know, it's not the best situation, but we really just need one room for our starter and our catcher to get some rest, and then to throw all our bags in, and then everybody else can go get some food and, you know, keep themselves busy. Sure. We go up to the second floor where all our rooms are, and there's an entire housekeeping crew I'm not entirely sure that they were all of legal working age. <laughs> and the way I saw them clean these rooms, I'm thinking, I do not even want to be in one of these rooms because they literally took a wet rag and just were wiping things down. No soap, no anything. And it's the same wetness from the last Exactly. And the oh. sheets weren't even changed. Oh, and it was no. just disgusting. And at that point, we were just thinking... Let's just sleep at the ballpark. That's, I was going to say, that's more incentive to go out and uh, really put a hurting on the home team. I had no larger motivation than the opener of that series to beat a team just because of that. That's horrible. Well, see, that's kind of like when I used to, when I was on the road doing stand-up, the clubs put you up. Well, as you can imagine, there are a lot of clubs don't really want to spend money because, God forbid, you make the the talent comfortable you know the the people who are being paid to entertain your customers uh just put them in the dumpiest place you can because it's cheap and two stand out uh one was one was in uh carbondale illinois by alma mater this is what made it so horrible i get down there and i check in and i as i'm reading the name of the hotel i'm like oh i know this hotel it's just off the main street, and it's a dump. But I'm like, all right, it's it's two nights. I can stay. So I get in there, and I'm like, everything's kind of, it's it looks like it might be clean enough, but it's that old where it's still even if it was even if it was spick and span, it would still look funky. Everything was fine until I went to open the drape. And have you seen the Amityville horror, the scene where there's flies all over the window? That was this hotel. It was the most disgusting thing I had ever seen. And I was like, do you have another room? They're like, no, we're, what's the matter? There's, the, the window is literally covered with flies. <laughs> all right, we'll send somebody over to take care of it. And another one was down in central Indiana. And it was a one night gig, so I get a room. I get the room, and it's two two beds. And I'm like, okay, um, well, I'm going to sleep on the one closest to the door. 
and I pulled the, thankfully I didn't just turn off the lights and pull the sheets back and jump into bed. I pulled the sheets back and the sheet was covered with some sort of black, it looked like oil or some sort of viscous liquid. And it was, and I'm like, ah, okay. And as I turned to, to the other bed, I'm like, please, I don't know what happened in this bed, but please at least let this other bed be clean because it's late and I only need a couple hours. And I ended up, I pulled the sheets back. The sheets looked clean. I ended up sleeping in my clothes and getting up and getting out of there as early as possible. It just, it's what you got to do with those hotels. Yeah. It's, just, I'm going to sleep. I call them sock hotels because you, or maybe even shoe hotels. Yeah. <laughs> where you don't let your feet touch the ground no matter what. Yeah. They're just, it's like I don't even know if I want to shower because I'm not No, sure I I wouldn't even and, and but it stinks though cuz you got to keep yourself clean. Yes. We got we got lucky back in Traverse City because we had showers at the ballpark which is where everybody oh, showered go. before That's, they That makes sense. Before they so went So did home. you guys finally get your rooms? We finally got our rooms, but this was all on one road trip. I have a short one, another story that I just thought of. So at the end of the half of the season, and the way the playoffs work is the winner of each half makes the playoffs. Okay. So we're in a playoff chase. We sweep Kokomo, Indiana to stay alive. We go to Traverse City, deal with the mess that they have there. We sweep them. So it's fantastic. We're like, we're out of the bad hotel. We're in the driver's seat. Everything's great. Our last and best and final stop to clinch the division was in Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. We get put up at a hotel, and I'm thinking, okay, it's Madison. It's the largest market in the league. Like, this has got to be good. Like, they got the largest crowd. We're owned by the same people. So this can't be bad. We get to this hotel, and it doesn't look bad, except it's really, really big. Like, it took us a while to even get to our rooms just based on distance. Okay. And so we're able to get to our rooms, no issues there. We go play the Mallards. It's on the 4th or the 3rd of July. We lose, so we got to live to fight another day. We go back to the hotel, and there are people wandering the halls like The Shining. <laughs> and we're thinking, okay, they could, they could be guests here. You never know. It's a very big hotel. And then knock on our door. We're expecting our assistant coaches, so I open the door, and it's a woman and her kid, and I honestly felt bad in this situation because this woman said, my water's not working in my room, can you, like, can you fill this up? And it was like, to to feed her kid, and I'm like, yeah, sure, have you contact, and I'm like, have you contacted maintenance about it? Because I tested, I'm like... You know, I, our manager, I'm like, Paco, is our uh, is our water working all right? And he's like, yeah. And I didn't know. And so I filled up, filled the dish, and then shut the door. And so we actually wound up going down the hall to our assistant's room, and the same knock, and this is about 10 minutes later, same thing. And then the next same day, woman? same woman. And then we get up, and... I go to Starbucks to get some breakfast and I see the same people at the Starbucks in the same clothes and I just felt awful. 
So were they were they guests or were they no? They were just they were they were homeless wandering the halls. They were just allowed to wander the halls of the hotel. Yeah, and like we were sending messages to our players, like (laughs) lock. Well, it's lock lock the doors up. I mean, because Uh, it was it was not good. That is that's crazy. All right, after the news, we're going to talk. If you've got a are you planning a wedding? A lot of changes in wedding plans. We'll get to some of that and a whole lot more. The final hour of the big broadcast after the news, which comes your way after this. WTMJ. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Welcome to hour number three. Glad you're here. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. That's how you can get involved with the program. Uh, I'm not enjoying these uh, the weather forecast. I know why it doesn't write them, why it doesn't come up with them, but why it is delivering them. Um, sometimes the messenger is the one who takes the brunt. Heat index is 105, 110. Stop. No, it's no. I know it's August. We're still. I'm happy with hanging on to summer as much as possible, but this is crazy. This heat dome. So. Uh, uh, what are you going to do? Just be careful. You know it's going to it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. There's going to be a, we're under a heat dome. Uh, you know what to do. If you don't know what to do, me telling you how, what to do is not going to help. So that's just it's going to be crazy. But stay in where it's cool. Listen to the radio. Listen to uh, listen to the debate. Watch the debate. Then come back here and listen to the post game post game coverage. That's what that's what it is. Basically, we can call it. Call it all kinds of stuff, but uh, John Mercure and uh, the Truth's Dr. Ken Harris are going to be on right after the the debate Wednesday night. They're going to break it down, tell you what you uh, the high highlights, low lights, everything, everything you need to know. So even if you don't li- watch the debate the next day, if you listen to um, John Mercure and Dr. Ken Harris, you'll be able to walk around like you did li- watch the debate and that you were a involved voter and a citizen who is interested in the future of this country and you'll have all sorts of tidbits to drop and that'll be fun uh my daughter is one of these young women who's grown up watching shows like say yes to the dress and ultimate wedding you know all the all these wedding shows and she has this vision in her head about what she wants her wedding to be which is fine. She's had this vision for a long time. Um, what I try to remind her is who her parents are, and uh, you know that we we are not uh, rolling in dough. But this is this is not just a thing that's going on in my house. She doesn't. She's not engaged yet. But I know. I know when, if and when she does get engaged and wants to get married, she's going to want a wedding of a certain type, which is why this caught my interest today. Uh, Gen Z and millennial couples are saying that marriage is too expensive. Now, not the not the commitment of marriage, being married to somebody, that's not too expensive. It's the getting married that is ridiculously expensive. Now, you're a young man, Matt. If I were to say, what do you think the average wedding cost is in the United States? Just give me a ballpark figure. Uh, average, I'd say 
300k? Wow! Wow! 300k for a wedding? I'm highballing it. Yeah, you are. I don't know who. Wow! Who are you marrying? Kim and Kanye? That's no. Uh, about ninety percent less than that. Thirty thousand is the. Hey, that being news to me is fantastic. You're oh so you you were like well I can't swing three hundred thousand but I can swing thirty thousand. Hey, I'm just glad. I thought that it was a lot higher because I hear about everybody being like, "Oh, this is so expensive! It's so expensive!" You have all these meals that are so good, and then you have to deal with the venue, and some of them provide transportation. And it- all right, this is where we this is where our generation is. Uh, our generation gap is showing. To me, thirty thousand dollars is a ridiculous amount of money for a one day party. That that to me sounds completely nuts now that's just the average so there are probably some like your 300k wedding i would like if you're getting married and you're throwing a three hundred thousand dollar wedding you gotta let me come by i'll bring a gift you know it'll be a check you'll enjoy a it. check of one hundred fifty thousand dollars. no <laughs> no. <laughs> no 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 you'll get uh, you know you get like 25 50 bucks whatever <laughs> No, that's not. That's the hardest part of going to a wedding now. The old formula used to be uh, you try to figure out what they're paying per plate, and then, you know, if you're going with a plus one, you give that doubled. Or if, you know, if if they're family, maybe you give a little more. If they're. If they're friends and you find something nice on their registry, you give that. Now, who knows? You know, Matt's getting married. It's costing him three hundred grand. I don't know. I don't know what I could give him. A Rolex? That doesn't seem to make much sense. Uh, but maybe you'll fall into this category. 75% of Gen Z and millennial couples say it's too expensive to get married. Just just the the whole wedding. Too much. Couples nowadays... Like back in the day, it was traditionally the wife's or the woman's parents paid for the wedding. Then it was like, well, that's that's ridiculous. And sometimes then the groom's parents would pay for part of it, or they, you know, they pay for part of the wedding, they pay for the rehearsal dinner, all that. And then, you know, people were waiting longer to get married. So if you're, you know, 32 and a professional and you've been making money for over 10 years, well, then couples started. So a couple started paying for their own, which makes sense, you know. Um, so now that they're doing that, they're like, well, we've got to really got to pay attention, you know. And I, I find it kind of gross to spend that kind of that, that big, big money on a wedding. It doesn't it. You don't need to. I don't remember what our wedding cost. It was thirty thirty one years ago. I don't. I don't remember. Uh, I remember my wife's mom and my parents. They they took care of a, a lot of it, and it was it was a very nice wedding. You know, it was kind of that more old school traditional wedding again thirty years ago, where we you know at the church and then we had a, a banquet room at the Ramada, and. Uh, you know, everybody came in and stayed at the at the hotel. We had the wedding there. It was it was very nice, you know, and we had the bells and whistles. You know, we had the the, the DJ and we had uh, the the dessert carts and the hors d'oeuvres and stuff. But it wasn't. 
I'm trying to remember. I want to say we had chicken. I know that. And I want to say it was like 19 bucks a plate. And that was a big deal back then because we had 4,000 guests. That's an exaggeration. But, but it was different. But, like, my daughter wants to have uh, a destination wedding. And I, we were just, a couple of years ago, we went to my cousin's son, had a destination wedding. And it was nice. It wasn't, you know, it was, I'm sure they paid a, a pretty penny because it was in Estes Park, Colorado. And it was this little venue in the mountains. Uh, you know, it was, it was beautiful. And there weren't a ton of people, but it was mostly family and some friends. For us, it was it cost because it was like a little vacation, but that was great. Um, I'm sure they I I'm sure they spent some money. It's uh, so they're saying young couples are getting more invested in making decisions that reflect the cost of these things, and with traditions changing and evolving, that couples are comfortable with things being smaller you know you don't need you don't need to have 250 people you don't need to have this big thing we my daughter was maid of honor last year at a wedding it was a lovely wedding and it was small it was uh i forget the town in uh southeast wisconsin where it was um and it was one of these venues that they kind of do everything there and it's was a converted warehouse and the ceremony was right in the in the building and then the ceremony was over and the bar opened and while the bar was open um there were i think the tables were already the tables were already out but then they had you know, it was the first wedding i ever went to that had a taco bar that was the that was the dinner and it was the food was great how much and was that per plate i don't know but it was a, it was great cuz then the, the they had open bar with all you know whatever you wanted then they had you know the the meal and cake and then they had like a s'mores bar later in the evening and dancing and everything it was great and it was all in one place and it was not you know because most of the time let's be honest you go to a wedding and the food is rarely do you go man this food was great but you can't go wrong with tacos. They had chicken, steak, and vegetable tacos. They had all the fixings. They had, and it was, it was, it was great. It was like, oh, this is this is cool because who doesn't like tacos? Plus, they had a bunch of new Glarus there for the beer and other kinds. So I was, I was happy as a pig in poop. It was great, and I know it didn't cost them a lot because they were, you know, I would hear all the things from my daughter as the maid of honor. You know, just. What they were trying to save money on here and money on there and they'd rather you know they would have rather had the dessert thing than something else so that's what people are doing if you're going through this or if you're in this position and you're thinking well we were going to have this big wedding but uh, we've decided we're going to go this way share your story 855-616-1620 the old national bank talk and text line we'll get to more after this wtmj nights Oh, young people are saying, eh, you know, it's really, really expensive to get married, to have that wedding, the one, the quote-unquote storybook wedding. What do you think, 855-616-1620?
Did you overspend and then later on regret it? From the uh, from John and Waukesha, nice wedding would be seventeen grand. Elope. Uh, from the two six two, my personal advice: don't get married. It's an outdated institution. You can still be together if you choose. And from the two six two, a different uh, or the same one. Most people regret the wedding spend after a couple of years. I don't know. It depends. It it depends if you go overboard and you have unrealistic expectations. Uh, about about what it's supposed to be and you know now we've got all these people expect expect you to travel it used to be and and i know i know i sound old like if you lived in milwaukee your whole life and your fiance was from milwaukee or somewhere you got married in wisconsin and maybe people would have to stay over a night but most of the time, you'd drive to a wedding, you'd have a good time, you'd drive home. Now it's like, oh, come to my wedding. Book a round-trip airfare, get yourself a hotel. Oh, don't worry, we have a block of rooms reserved. It's much cheaper. No, it's not. It's always, if you, if you look, the rates they give you with those blocks, you could probably get cheaper if you go on Hotels.com or something. So those are, those are the kind of things that... I think have gone too far where people, you know, it's not people get married for the gram as much as they get married because they love each other. It's gotta be, it's, you've got to keep out doing it. And it's the generation that grew up. Like I said, my daughter grew up watching those shows say yes to the dress and these big weddings. And I, I don't know from the four one four. If you're going to spend $20,000 on a wedding, who is it you're trying to impress? Isn't the wedding supposed to present the couple before God for his blessing? We've decided that's no longer, have we decided that's no longer important also? I, you know, people get married in all kinds of ways and you know, the church part, that's up to the individual thing. And that doesn't, you know, what does that cost? Not much. I know in the Catholic church, you got to throw the priest a couple hundred, give the altar boys a little something little taste but uh you know whether you get married in a church or synagogue or if you get married at city hall or if you get married uh maybe you have me do your wedding i've actually performed a wedding um they're still married two kids they're great and that we did that on the lakeshore and they had people there it was a very nice ceremony um, but yes, Matt, in case you need it, I am an ordained online minister. Ooh, so $300,000? What's that? $300,000? Listen, I'll cut you the friends and family. <laughs> One seventy-five. Because I know you want to spend the rest of that on something fun. Taco bar? The taco bar's not going to cost you $125,000. If it does, those are going to be the best tacos ever. Gold-plated lobster tacos. That's what it would. Uh, that's what that would go for. Have you? Do you, you were saying uh, on the break that you, you know, pe- people don't go to weddings as much in your in your generation in your. Uh, well, you alluded to pool. it. People are getting married elsewhere, and I understand it if one member of the couple's from someplace else, or if you move away from your family, then it's another thing. Like, take my cousins for example, groom. From the Milwaukee area. Okay. Bride from New York. Wedding was in Brooklyn. Okay, I get that. You got to pick a side, and there you go. 
my other cousin gets married. One from Toledo, Ohio. The other, I believe, is from Washington, but her family's from New York. Wedding in New York. So that means you got almost everybody traveling for it. And people don't go to weddings because you have to take into account the travel. You have to take into account if it's remote. You have to rent a car. You have to coordinate. And the only thing that you're going to get back is that free meal that you wind up paying per plate anyways as a gift. Right, yeah. Maybe no, you get the goodbye breakfast the next day. You got to give you got to have the goodbye breakfast. If you're a good host, you got to host that goodbye breakfast. You got to have a little hospitality suite at the hotel the night before after the rehearsal dinner for the people who didn't make the rehearsal dinner cut, but for anybody who's coming in from out of town, you got to do that. You know, there's there's a lot that goes into these destination weddings. My sister-in-law got married in Hawaii. Uh nobody went. I think no I take that back. My late mother-in-law went. But like we were we were like, we can't afford to go to Hawaii for, for a wedding. Um sorry, we we have to miss it. And I also what I don't get to is the people um if you're if you're having a destination wedding, like your examples made sense. If like we got married in Michigan, well that's because that's where my wife was from. So my family, all being mostly being from Chicago, uh, they drove up and they stayed at stayed a couple nights up there. So that's it's a destination wedding, but it's a you know four hour drive. And there was no airfare involved. Um, but when people get married in places that they have no real connection to. That's when it's, I just get confused. Now, I'm not going to give away my daughter's plans, because if I did, um, she'd shoot me. But let's just say hers is going to be a destination wedding to a place none of us have ever been. And I I don't quite know why, except she's found this venue somewhere. Maybe she saw it on a show or she read it, and I'm like, well... It's just, that's on you, whatever. Um, and my cousin's son, the one at Estes Park, Colorado, they had never been there. So they it was a beautiful wedding, and I'm glad we went. Um, everything was fantastic, but they didn't have a real connection to that spot. You know, like if my daughter chose to get married in New Orleans, that would make sense to me. And it would be great. I would love that. That's a wedding. But, now that's good. Yeah, that would be a wedding. That we plus she has, you know, she went to school down there. We have ties down there. That that would make sense for a destination wedding. She's not going to do it, um, but who knows? And then you got to take the groom into. A lot of these brides forget they got to take the groom into account. You know, it's <laughs> like well, um, unless the groom is just going to go. I I don't care. Whatever it is, just to keep the peace. Uh, okay, that's where you want to go. That's terrific. Uh, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to, I'm not going to argue with you about it. We're just going to go from the nine two zero. got married in 2015. Wife would have been happy with a courthouse wedding, but I wanted a party. Got engaged in December. My aunt was in town on January 31st. So we put together in six weeks, only took three, 84 people. Most importantly, all of whom we liked footed the bill ourselves. So obviously cut corners. Luckily, plenty of venues begging for business during the middle of winter. Good point. Church downtown Milwaukee, four hundred bucks. Reception less than a mile away, fifteen hundred for the venue, fifteen hundred for food. We paid for the booze, twenty one hundred. I like the ratio there. Uh, hotel across the street, two hundred bucks. 
Free 30-day trial of Spotify ad-free to DJ ourselves. I love it. Epic night. Cash flowed the whole uh, cash flowed the whole thing and dug out of 10 inches of snow in the morning. <laughs> Very nice. Matt, here's another idea for down the road if you, uh, if you decide to get married. From the 414, I love this. My son just got married a week ago. They had a pizza truck for dinner. Ooh. Pizza, salad, bread, all you, uh, all you can eat. Was the best wedding meal ever. Someone made cupcakes, married on a Sunday. All the cut costs was perfect. 150 people, simple and inexpensive. That sounds phenomenal. That's a I I like these unusual ideas. I've had they're cheaper. Yes, and I've had enough chicken breast. In you my don't need life. the chicken. You don't need the steak. You don't need the beef. You don't need to fill out the checklist on the RSVP no. saying I want this type of meal. No, just show up. Just this show up. I I like. I'm thinking of. Not necessarily a buffet, but what if you had a food truck wedding and people could choose what they wanted? We had the the wedding in Colorado. They had a food truck rehearsal dinner at a brewery. That sounds right was, up your alley. It was fantastic. I was happy, happy. But yeah, you could have. I've, I know. I've heard of the food truck weddings. I think that anything, anything that makes it unique and yours is there's nothing wrong with that. If you listen. If you just love chili, <laughs> for whatever reason, I don't know if it'd be a big hit, but if, if you and your fiancé, uh, your partner-to-be, loved chili, and you decided we're going to have two different chili trucks here, and you know what? Come, enjoy, you're here to celebrate, you're not here to eat. As my dad used to say, it's not your last meal. Uh, come and have fun. We're having chili. <laughs> I would I would enjoy myself. I would... As I drove home, my wife and I would deconstruct the evening. I'd go, well, that was unusual, wasn't it? But like we did with the taco bar. I go, that was different, but it was so good, and it was, it was, it fit everything that was going on at this wedding. It was great. All right, we got to take a quick break. Holy cow, we are uh, just jibber jabbering, and we have business to take care of on WTMJ nights. WTMJ nights. Wow, nice. In Texas, Little George Strait coming out. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. That's how you get involved in WTMJ Nights. We were here until 9 o'clock, and then it's Dave Ramsey. Uh, just another programming note. On Wednesday, we will be taking you right up to the big WTMJ post-debate show. It's Our Decision, Wisconsin. Uh, after the debate, come back here to WTMJ. If you're watching the debate on television, if not, you can just stay with us the whole night. That would be fine, too. But when the debate is over, uh, Wisconsin's afternoon news host, John Mercure, and Dr. Ken Harris from 1017 The Truth, they are going to have the highlights, the lowlights, everything that you need to be that you need to know about the debate, everything that needs to be covered will be covered right here on WTMJ. It's Decision Wisconsin, the WTMJ post-debate show, immediately following the Republican presidential primary debate this Wednesday. So we don't know. I don't, I'm not sure what time it's going to start exactly. Might be 9.30, might be 10 o'clock, uh, you know, depending on how, uh, how long they decide to debate. Because they always... I don't know if they're going to leave room for, you know, how there's usually a, well, the response is usually for the State of the Union, so I don't know. But uh, as, soon as, as soon as the 
moderators say goodnight. If you're watching the debate on TV, get over here because uh, you will uh, you will not want to miss the big post-debate show here on WTMJ. So we will be going extended. Are you ready for some extended fun on Wednesday, Matt? Oh, yeah. It's going to be a good night, good debate, yes. some good insight. And uh, better yet, great coverage by our team here. Yes, and we're going to be banging on the window, uh, you know, trying to lure Republicans into the studio. Maybe, you know, we need, we need something to, what will, we need to figure out what will tempt politicians to walk into the studio. Is it, is it booze? Is it uh, food? Is it uh, money? What's, what's it going to take to get some of them to come behind the glass with us on Wednesday night? Who knows? Uh, maybe if we tell them that they can, uh, will we, will we be discussing politics on the show? Uh, they will the post debate show will 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 be talking uh you know mostly generalities of the debate cuz let, let's be honest talking politics gets you nowhere nobody's changing their mind uh we'll give you uh, John Mercure and uh, Dr. Ken Harris will give you honest reporting of what happened in the debate because you can watch the debate yourself, and you know they'll open the lines, I'm sure, and ask your opinion. So, you know, if I thought I could change anybody's mind, then yes, I would talk a lot of politics. I know I can't. We talk about the big stories, um, and that's because that's why we're here. And you can agree with me or disagree with me politically. That's fine. That's what we're supposed to do is debate and discuss. Uh, what I find in political discussion nowadays is people being entrenched, um, the attacks being personal. Nothing is nothing is issue based. It's all hot take talking points put out by whatever side you happen to be living on that day. And so that's why you know that's why we talk about fun stuff. We talk about stuff that really affects us, uh, you know, and a little politics here and there. But the regular show is going to be the regular show, except we'll, we'll be checking in with Wyatt. We'll be checking in with uh, our team at Pfizer Forum. We'll be, uh, we'll be seeing if we can, you know what, if we can lure somebody in, you know, then, of course, we'll chit-chat and see what happens. All right. I like that Matt played All My Exes Live in Texas. This is, this is something I was... Uh, Thinking about, and then I, as as you scroll through social media, I don't know if you follow any of your exes. The older you get, the let, the older you get. I think the only reason that you would look up an ex, like on Facebook or something, is to see if they're still alive. And because, like, I've been married a long time. I there's, you know, there's nobody I'm really worried about. What are they doing? But. I see something like a friend of mine, and that'll trigger a memory. And I'll go, oh, maybe I'll look this person up. Do you, do you stay connected to exes either in real life or via social media? Via social media seems the same way, but that seems, that seems like a waste. I am not, uh, back when I was dating, I was not as evolved as I am now, Matt, if you can imagine a less evolved me. It was not. It was not pretty. So anytime, anytime uh, we 
I broke up with somebody or they broke up with me, which was, I think, probably the majority of the cases. There were some where I left. But most of the time, uh, the women wised up and took off. Uh, that was it. I didn't keep in touch with anybody. I, you know, once we were done, we were done. I don't get this, hey, we were together for years and then we broke up and we're still friends. I don't buy it. I don't get it. I don't, uh, I don't adhere to it. If that's your deal, good for you. Uh, I hope it works out. For me, no chance. I also think at some point it becomes very unhealthy to stay connected with your ex. Because then the person you're with is like, uh, why is that a thing? What's, what's the deal? Why, why are we doing this? I also enjoy watching on social media... Like people I know who get in relationships and their their timelines or their Instagrams and maybe this is a younger thing, but I have seen I have seen people my age do this too. Oh my goodness. Suddenly their profile is full of a million pictures of them with their new beloved. And everything is rosy. And they paint this picture on social media that everything is great. And, oh, man, for like maybe a year, two years, you see nothing but pictures of them. Oh, they're bike riding, and they're at the beach, and they're having romantic dinners, and they're sipping wine on the Champs-Élysées. And they're doing everything. Everything that, you know, if you were writing a bad romantic comedy script, this is what they're doing. And then suddenly, hmm, they're gone. Break up. Whatever happens. I don't know. They never share the personal business. Good. It's not our concern. We don't care. But what I find hilarious is then they scrub their social media of all memories of this person that two weeks ago they were over the moon for. Eh, oh, this person couldn't be better for me. And then they're gone. This is what I don't get. The erasing your past. Maybe it's because a relationship, a breakup was too painful. But you were in these pictures too, having fun. Maybe you went on a trip. Do you want all the pictures of you and from this trip gone? Do you go back and Photoshop it? I've I've been seeing this uh, ad for an app where you could go in and like erase the people, but the background still stays. Is that? I, I would be more interested in that because then I keep my history. I, I, you know, hey, I still did go to Prague. See, I was there. Why is there so much room in this picture on my left? I don't know, but I was there and it was a great time. Who'd I go with? That's none of your business. Uh, let's just say I was there and it was great. Uh, I don't think it's, like I said, a good idea to stay connected. What are, what are you trying to prove by cyber-stalking your ex and looking at their pictures and seeing them with their, their new partners and maybe they've moved on and they have kids now? What are you, what's the point, I guess? Now, Matt, you've been a man who's played the field before. You you know you're a man of the world. Do you do you ever follow up and look at uh, former uh, former paramours' pictures or profiles? I haven't had a relationship end in the way where I'd be in that position to like you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to go back and look. 
Well, it's where it ended bad enough to where I'm like, delete, delete, get out, no more. Oh, delete their pictures, yeah. Like, okay. It's just, unless something ended really bad, I wouldn't feel the need to do it. And she can do what she wants, but... In but term- do you ever go and, like, check in on their on her profile and go, oh, what's she up to? I wonder what Well, I mean, on Instagram, stuff comes up naturally. Facebook sure. stuff comes up naturally. Everything comes up naturally. I'm not saying, oh, I see a picture of this person, then that's, you know, must click. It's my first click. No, but I, I still keep in touch. I'm not saying I reach out to them yeah, and check I- in on them, but I'm not, I'm not <laughs> of the mindset of uh, drop them and kick them to the curb. I am. Once you're, I cut you out like a cancer. Boom, you're you're gone. No, this, I think it must be genetic. Um, I'm not saying it could change that. Huh? It could change. Oh yeah, you'll you'll get jaded. You'll at some point you'll you'll come around to my way of thinking. There's that you know. Look to the future. Don't hang on to the past. That's what I say. And like I said, I think it comes genetically. Uh, I was dating a woman back after college, and we had been together for a while, and then we broke up. And uh, my mom found some pictures of the two of us, and she tore the the woman out of the pictures. So she, she would have just the part of the picture with me in it. She got rid of the others. I was like, man, that's hardcore. That is really hardcore. And then the the that, and this part of the story is really sad, but it's true and it's weird. So my mom tears her out of all the pictures. The woman died, and I was like, "Ma, you you gotta you can't tear any more pictures, you know, because now you're like a witch." So, just be careful. If there's any pictures of you? If anybody has a picture with me, and you get on my mom's bad side. All I'm saying is, watch your back. All right, we got to do a little business. Then there's more. It's W. Heading into the home stretch on WTMJ nights. You can still jump in, 855-616-1620. Build National Bank Talk and Text Line. Uh, I have not, we've talked about this, we talked about last week about not, me not having been to the theater in a while. I, I'm wondering uh, if price, like for me, there were other reasons. But if you haven't been to the theater, if price is an option, Sunday may be the day for you because if you haven't seen Barbie, Oppenheimer, or any of the big blockbusters, uh, $4 for movies all over the country on Sunday. Theater owners announced today that the second annual National Cinema Day is going to be Sunday, August 27th. One day, all movies in all formats and all showtimes will be $4 of participating theaters. More than 3,000 theaters are participating. Uh, that accounts for most of the cinemas in the U.S., including leading chains like AMC and Regal. So that's on, on the surface, that sounds great, doesn't it? Oh, man, I can go see a movie for $4. Mm, all right. Uh, they did it last year. They did it to uh, last year was the inaugural National Cinema Day. It was put on by a nonprofit uh, affiliate of the National Association of Theater Owners. They said it went great. An estimated 8.1 million moviegoers bought $3 tickets. It was on a Saturday, September 3rd. Uh, average movie ticket last year was $10.53. So it was the highest attended day of the year for theaters. No, duh. Normally, a uh, quiet time. Instead, saw cinemas crowded with moviegoers. They were all buying popcorn and everything else. 
Um, they moved it up slightly, shifting and shifted it from Saturday to Sunday this year and added a dollar to it. Um, but is this if you've been holding off, like if you have if you have a family and you wanted to go see, I don't know, what do you want to go see? You want to go see Blue Beetle? I don't even I know that's a superhero thing I've never heard of. Uh Golda is opening this weekend. Uh Retribution, Gran Turismo, that that uh, Formula One movie, and uh, of course you got uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie. I am tempted only because it's four dollars, but then I realize if I'm tempted for four dollars, everybody else in the universe is going to want to go to a movie on Sunday for four dollars, which will make every movie theater packed. All the behavior that has been the reason I don't go to the movie theaters more prominent because you'll get everybody in who hasn't been to a movie and has no idea how to act anymore. So there'll be cell phones going and people talking and they won't feel invested because it was only four bucks. Well, if it's only four bucks, uh, I could just go and I could be a goof. Ugh, I don't think so. So as much, as much as I'm tempted now, I'm thinking, well, maybe if I, maybe if you go with the very first showing, it would be all right. Or you pick a movie that's been out for a little while so that people who are going to go see it are going to see it. They've seen it already. But Barbie and Oppenheimer are still pretty new. Even though Blue Beetle, I read, beat Barbie in the box office this week, which seems a little crazy. But anyway, if you're looking for a cheap way to go, Sunday's your day. Go to the movies, four bucks. Um, check, with, check with your local theater. But as I said, 3,000... 3,000 cinemas are participating in this, and uh, that's that. All right, before we go, um, if you're going to break the law and you're going to do something stupid, I guess I have to applaud it if you do it on a go-kart. Now, I don't condone any of this, but a Rockford man, yes, just on the other side of the border, he's facing 14 charges. Yeah, give him a little, give him a little uh, shout-out to a Rockford man. Uh, he went on a drunken joyride on a go-kart. He's a 29-year-old man. He was arrested Saturday after a, a brief police chase. Again, in a go-kart. He actually tried to elude police in a go-kart. They saw him uh, doing donuts on a elementary school baseball field and in the grass nearby. Grass was flying everywhere, so they... Once he started driving away from the school, they started to chase him, and he would not be pulled over. He was not having it. Now, this go-kart of his, uh, it's a Polaris Hammerhead, 25 miles an hour it'll go. That's the, according to the manufacturer. Now, maybe he souped it up. Maybe he's got a go-kart that'll go 35, 40. But he ignored the police. He fled through a stop sign, drove behind a house. Uh, then he disappeared into a wooded area. Later, they saw him run into a house arrested him after he tried to go out the front door. He, of course, failed the field sobriety test. And uh, so we got a DUI charges, fleeing and reckless driving as well. Um, boy, when I was a kid, I always wanted a go-kart. But that was when, when go-karts were, and maybe, maybe you had one. It was just basically the frame with a little seat and a tiny motor. And most people made them themselves. And there were there was one family at the corner, and they you know they had eight kids. 
five of them were boys, and they had the boys had made this go-kart. And it, as a kid, it seemed like the greatest thing. Now, as I look back in as, as an adult, it was probably a death trap on four little wheels. But man, those were the coolest, because there were no helmets. They were zipping down the street like nobody's business. It was phenomenal. But none of us were drunk and invading the police. Why? Because we were children. All right, listen, that is all we have for tonight. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the program. We'll be back Wednesday night at 6 for an extended show leading up to the post-debate show here on WTMJ. Matt, thanks for a, uh, all your help tonight. Great night. We will uh, we'll be together on Wednesday again. Have a wonderful night. The news comes your way after this on WTMJ.